I'm rolling, are you rolling? Well, let's roll on into some announcements. Hey, this is important. Our Fall Fest is coming up. We need several things. We need mountains, and I mean mountains of candy, okay? Like, you know, Snickers, Charleston shoes. What's your favorite candy? Yell it out randomly. Okay, that, anyway. Please bring us some candy. Uh, that's a great event for the kids. Our Fall Fest is October 28th. Uh, we're starting that at 5.30 p.m. that evening. It's going to be a great time. Amazing concert. Lots of candy. We'll need some volunteers to pull that off, too. And on the front page of our app is a link where you can sign up to volunteer. You must volunteer. Do it now. So sign up on the app. A couple other quick announcements of some other events. Uh, there is a new-ish Bible study happening. Uh, Pastor Georgina is leading the surpassing value of knowing Christ. That's Wednesdays at 10 a.m. here at the church. That's a great study uh, for you ladies to be a part of. Also, on Wednesday is our next jam night. Uh, you can bring your favorite instrument that you play. You can sing along. Uh, I'll have some chord charts available, and we'll just have a great time playing and worshiping together. You won't want to miss that. Did I mention Fall Fest? I think I did. Please bring us candy. Volunteer for that. And, uh, yeah, keep downloading the app. Check that out. I'm not seeing anything else that I want to announce other than let's get ready for church. Everybody watching online, we're getting ready to go. We're excited you're with us. Worship was awesome this morning, and now we uh, we get to do it again with you, and we're excited about that. Then we're continuing on in our series on the fight. Today we'll be talking about the belt of truth. So um, get your Bibles, get a coffee, get comfortable, get ready, because here we go. Woo! <laughs> Good morning, everybody. It's pretty fun to see like a, a visitor and they're like, what is everybody doing? What's with the, the, yeah, no, I've had people look, looking around so confused, but it's fun for, you know, when you know, you know. Okay. Anyways. We got to put it on a coffee cup or something. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just a woo. Like, what is on your coffee cup? <laughs> How do you spell it? Well, start with a W and end in O. <laughs> <laughs> It could be W H E U. It could. Woo. Yeah. E U X. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to hear all your voices this morning and uh, to be together with you guys. We're looking forward to spending time with you in worship and in the word and in the woo. (laughs) If we're just going to keep pushing the woo. Anyways, I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do. We are going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is home from his travels and he'll be leading us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship and then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them off to their Sunday school classrooms and then we'll have our time in the word with Pastor Steve. We are in the fight part 13 and it's really full of really good stuff. But before we dive in, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come Papa, we thank you for meeting with us this morning. We thank you for your great love for us, God. We thank you for your great care for us through this week. All we can say is thank you. 
as we continue to study the spiritual battle that we're all a part of, God? Would you help us to keep our hearts and our ears open? We want to receive what you have for us today. We want to be changed by your word. So Papa, help us to draw closer to you. We love you so much. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, we pray that your grace may always uphold and encourage us and help us to live for you by doing the next right thing. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it saying, this is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into our time of worship, and I'd encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices as we elevate Jesus in our midst here today. We're going to see the words pop up on the screens, so it's really easy to sing along with. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. He turns graves into gardens.
we love you, Lord, and we worship you. And Lord, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts to you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our children today. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Okay. Good morning, everyone. How are you all? I'm so excited. Today's story comes to us from the book of Second Kings and Second Chronicles, right? And it's in the Old Testament part of the Bible. Okay, so today we are learning, Susanna, Ava, guess what we're learning about? We're learning about King Josh, and he was seven year old, seven years old. Anybody seven? If you're seven, raise your hand. Or if you're eight. Eight. Okay, yeah. Well, Josh became king when he was eight, seven years old. Isn't that amazing? I know, it's crazy, right? You got to listen to the story. It's amazing. So Josh did right in the sight of the Lord as long as, as the high priest jo- Jehidon was with him, right? And what happened was that he grew up, right? King Josh grew up and then he decided that he needed to fix the temple, right? That the temple needed to be fixed. So in... <laughs> yes, so in Second Chronicles 24, 5, it tells us what happened. He called together all the priests and the Levites and said to them, go to the towns in Judah, right, and collect the money due annually from all Israel to repair the temple of God. And he was like, do it now, right? So then he took... Well, Joash commanded them to put a big chest, right? Like a big basket kind of thing in front of the gate of the temple, right? And God's people would bring silver coins and, and throw it into the chest, right? And every night it had to be emptied out because it was so full. And then the next day, the same thing happened again. It was so full. Yeah. They were building like a mountain of just... Mm-hmm. Great pure gold. Wow, thank you. Yes. That's cool. Yes. So then Josh and the high priest, right, they took the coins and they paid the workers that were working, right, to build the temple. So they were blacksmiths, right? There were stone cutters and carpenters and all kinds of people. And then they finished the job and the temple was much stronger because of it, right? And then that priest daily would offer sacrifices in the Lord's temple as long as the high priest, Jehoiden, was working, was alive. But then he died, the high priest died and the people of Judah, the rulers of Judah came to speak to the king, and you'll never guess what happened. Yes. They probably said, the high priest died. What are we gonna do? Yes. What, well, what guess are we do? I know. Well, guess what, King? The king did. He f- forgot and abandoned the temple, guys, 
And God's people, they stopped worshiping the Lord. I know, right? And worst was that the king, he, he raised up objects and idols so that people would worship them. Right? And God, because he loved them so much, he would send prophets to the king and to the people to tell them, please stop this, right? This is not right. But they didn't listen. No. And because he was against, right, the Lord, the Lord became against Joash, right? So sad. So in the beginning, Joash really did want to follow the Lord. And for a while, he did, right? But then later on, as time went on, right, His heart was revealed and that there was sin in his heart, right? But guess what, guys? We have good news because Jesus wants to give us a new heart. Did you know that? Yes. So when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, we get a new heart. And that new heart, yeah, it helps us to live for him and glorify him. Isn't that amazing? I know. So good. All right. So now we're going to say the Bible verse together. Are you guys ready to repeat after me? Okay. Second Chronicles 24, 5. He called together the priests and Levites and said to them, Go to the towns of Judah and collect the money due annually. From all, Israel. From all Israel. To repair. The temple of your God. Do it now. Very, very good. Good job, everyone. The children are receiving stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Pastor Georgina is going to pray for them in just a second, and then they can head off to Children's Church and Youth Group and all the other stuff that's happening. Okay. All right, guys, are you ready? Let's pray, okay? And then we can go to our classrooms. Ready? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. One, two, three. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord God, for all of our kids, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you love them more than they could ever know, Father. And I pray, Lord God, that you teach them more and more about you, Lord God, so that they can fall in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have fun. Listen to your teachers. Good morning. Welcome to the vineyard. So glad to have you with us. Kids are figuring out where they go. It's cool we have that many kids. Part of having children, though, is training them and, uh, and being patient with them as they grow, just like with us. <laughs> so it's all fun. As we move into that, we're glad you're with us. Uh, welcome to those of you joining us online as well. Today, quick, um, quick follow-up to what's going on. 
Um, we started talking about the aftermath of hurricanes last week, and I told you how we respond to those things. And so for more response, I was uh, speaking with the pastor again in Puerto Rico this week after Fiona. They're doing much better, but they are now feeding their community that's still kind of in a mess, so we sent more money to them this week. And then uh, we've been in touch with uh, the Vineyard Church in Cape Coral a lot over the past week. They are set up. They are distributing goods. Uh, they're serving hot meals every day to their community. They got their power back on, um, so that's good. Convoy of Hope is delivering supplies along with other places. We have supported them financially so that we can get behind what's going on there. So thank you for um, your generosity. And also, cool, locally, um, we had our um, food truck up in Marathon on Friday night for a trunker treat. And uh, Pastor Fran said it was the busiest the food truck has ever been. And so we blessed hundreds of people. He said, well, over 300 people with, uh, you know, snow cones and ice cream and uh, coffee floats and all kinds of good stuff. Thank you guys that you make that happen. We, we give all that away just to bless people. So uh, thank you that we're able to do that. And we appreciate partnering with you very much. If you're a first-time guest or visitor... That code will take you to our uh, digital connect card if you point your smart device at it with the camera on. Name, phone number, email address. If you give us that, we'd love for you to do that. It will send you, we will send you texts and emails over the next five or six weeks. Just expect that as part of following that link. Uh, Also, we have gifts for all first-time guests back at guest services. If you didn't get a gift on your way in, stop by on your way out and tell them you're a first-time guest and they will have a nice little gift for you. Very, very cool. At this point, uh, every week we pray for our neighbors. That's something that we do corporately to sort of reinforce what we ask you to do every day, which is pray for the people that live around you uh, because that has a huge impact on people's lives, and we want you doing that every day. God's planted you where he's planted you for a purpose, and that's to be praying for those people. And then as we do, let's also pray again for everyone impacted by hurricanes, uh, you know, Cuba, Puerto Rico, all over southwest Florida and through the state, and even locally. We had a lot of people get issues here. So, Papa, um, we lift our neighbors up to you. We ask, God, that you would move in their lives in mighty ways, that you would be with those that are going through very difficult times right now and give them peace and strength, that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us to be good neighbors, God, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, pressing in, continuing on in our series called The Fight. Today, we're talking about the first piece listed in the armor of God, the belt of truth. And um, so 13 weeks in, And we're finally getting to what I wanted to talk about when I started this series, which is the armor of God. But that foundation that we laid theologically is so important and will make a difference in every one of these, including today's, makes a huge difference in how we take it in. So um, uh, if you you haven't been here for those, go and watch them immediately. No, I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, anyway. Okay. Uh, So before we get into truth, we got to get the jokes out of the way. Damn. I think they're funny, though. I was actually pretty surprised when the stationery store moved. Without a doubt, my favorite Robin Williams movie is Mrs. Fire. Think about it. It's funnier than that. No. 
No, it's not. <laughs> Without a doubt. Okay. What do you, this one, I just can't. I love I, this one. What do you call a guy <laughs> pouring water into a container? <laughs> Phil. <laughs> yeah. He's dedicated to that. I, I like that. that joke. I had a... So we have our fall festival coming up. Uh, uh, you heard that? Uh-huh. And uh, so sometimes we, we dress up in... in uh, in costumes, and uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear my cowboy hat. You I'm, are. I'm, I'm coming as ranch dressing. Okay. That real you, you didn't really work, hon. Yeah. Oh well, I know. That was it, it was a bonus bad one. Exactly. Phew. phew. Okay. <clears throat> now I somehow have to segue this into a spiritual moment. So let's refocus and pray, and then we'll read the word together. Amen. Lord, you're so good to us. And Father, in worship today, we linger because you're, you're with us. You're in our midst, and we always want to be in your presence, Papa. I pray today, Lord, that you would give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, so that we could truly discern the truth. And Father... Open the eyes of our hearts so that as we discern the truth, we walk in grace and we walk in mercy and we walk in love. We thank you for all the people gathered today in person and online. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Gospel of John, and this is at the very end of Jesus' prayer as he's praying for his disciples right before he's betrayed. So this is after the Last Supper, and he's praying for his disciples. John 17, verses 13 through 18. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the word has, world has hated them, for they are not of the world, any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can sit. All right. So we're going to talk about the belt of truth today, which is, uh, I think, a very fascinating topic and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. It really is dependent on the foundation we set theologically for this series. So um, just be aware of that. And I'll, I'll touch on that as we go. But I pop back to that verse because it says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's what Jesus is saying. As Alice said, he's on, you know, it's towards the end of his uh, earthly ministry. And he's praying for his disciples, which is us and, you know, believers. And so that's a big deal because we're talking about the belt of truth. It's the first piece of the armor. It's what we start with when you're putting the armor on, which I've encouraged you to do. You know, you pray it on every day, and it starts with, with the 
truth. You're going to put on the belt of truth. It sort of is the, it undergirds everything that's going to happen. And so you start with truth. Ephesians 6.14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So that's the picture. The, the, the thing that we have to take a big look at, uh, and you're going to be amazed that I'm already at point two. Don't worry, it slows down from here. What's truth? And that's, uh, that has become a huge deal uh, culturally in truth because, you know, people think that truth can be whatever they want it to be. Truth can be whatever they think it should be. Uh, and there's statements that say things like, well, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me. And we culturally have sort of come to agree to that. Okay. All right, well, it's true for you, but not true for me. The problem is that for something to be true, it has to be true for everybody. Uh, It can't just be sort of kind of true because you want it to be or think about it. And yet, that's a huge deal for us culturally because we we have all sorts of things coming at us that are not truth, opinions and sort of different things. But but what is truth? Well, uh, I want you to consider this. And again... We set a lot of foundation for this. Um, truth is more than a series of facts. Truth is more than an ideal. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. And he says it in Scripture. Um, John fourteen six. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I'm the truth. He, he makes this connection. And he, we're going to further that connection because you think, well, if that's just one verse, maybe that... But, and we're going to come back to that verse here in, in a moment when we talk about uh, some other things. But I want you to see and then think about these scriptures this week that tie into that. If you don't have them, just grab the fill-in notes uh, by pointing your smart device at that and then you'll have them to look at this week. So in John 1, 1, we... Uh, we have this thing, because remember that verse in the scripture reading, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. And then Jesus just said, I am the truth. So let's take the connection a little further. One of my favorite, uh, I say that about all the verses, but we spent a lot of time studying John 1. It's a fascinating chapter and it ties in the old and the new so well. In the beginning was the word, the logos. And the word was God, uh, was with God, and the word was God. We're making this fascinating connection there to Jesus, and we'll get to that in just a moment, being the Word. And uh, this ties into our discussion back in Genesis when we talked about creation, Genesis 1, uh, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, so you have God there, and then you have the Spirit hovering over the waters, and then what does God do next? He speaks the Word. That's, that's the connection. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all there as creation gets going. And so the Word was, was God, the Word was with God. Jesus says this in John 1, 14, or John says this about Jesus, the Word, the Logos, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that word dwelling, I've, I've always want you to see, it's the, the word, he, it means he pitched his tent, he tabernacled among us. And why that's important, you guys know now, is that the heart of God was to have a heaven and earth connection. That's what happens in the 
Garden of Eden, the cosmic temple. Then the fall splits that up. And then when, when God comes and rescues his people at Exodus, almost the first thing he tells them, build a tabernacle because I want a place where I can be where there's a heaven and earth connection. They build a tabernacle and then they build a temple and God comes and he resides in the temple. Then the temple is destroyed. There's no more heaven and earth connection until Jesus comes and he tabernacles. Fully God, fully man, place where heaven and earth meets. We've talked all through that in lots of series. And now you're the place where heaven and earth meet, right? Because Holy Spirit is here. Heaven and earth connection. So the Word becomes flesh. The the very Word in the beginning. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, everybody there. The Word becomes flesh. And He tabernacles among us. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 17, 17. This is where I, you know, I went back to already. Sanctify them by the truth. Jesus is the truth. Your word, Jesus again, is truth. We're making a point here in, in what we're trying to say. John 17, 14, and here's where the battle comes. I have given them your word, the world. I've, I've given the world your truth, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am the world. He's talking about his disciples here. But the world rejects the truth. That's the battle when you see what's happening. When we talk about the world there, you know what's going on. We're, we're, not, we're, we're talking about the context of the fight, and you know how that's set up, right? God, uh, in the beginning, he creates us. He wants a human family to dwell with, to partner with on this planet. That's the heart of God. He has a spiritual family too. Some of them don't so much like the idea of a human family. And we see the out that happens at the fall, right? When one of them jumps into that situation and we choose wrongly and we mess up things. And we saw it again at the flood where they, the, this, the little E Elohim take it as far as making their own race of Nephilim. And we looked at the problem of the giants. We got to the Tower of Babel and we saw that, you know, God, the people have just said, we don't want you. We don't want you so long. He says, fine, I'm going to give you under the authority, you 70 nations, of these little E Elohim, who may not have all been off when they started, but we know from the Psalms that over time they've all become corrupted. That's the issue. We have all these little G gods floating around, doing their own thing, trying to get people and keep people blinded to the truth. So we've, we, all that information is in this whole series. And it's impacted us culturally significantly because we have trouble. Well, what's truth? What does truth look like? Let me, let me start with this. He says, your word is truth, and, so, and, and you know truth because you know Jesus when we have his word. Let me tell you this about the word. The, the word of God, completely trustworthy is the Word of God. It's the, it's the Bible that God wants us to have. It's here. He's protected it, watched over it amazingly through history. So we have <clears throat> His Word, and you know His Word because you know Jesus as believers. Culturally, though, in our country, the vast majority of people no longer believe that this is really true. They like parts of it, maybe, or not at all. Um, but they think, okay, well, some of it's maybe good and some of it's not so good. The problem with that, if that's how you believe, you can take the parts that you agree with and go, well, that's good. But the parts you don't agree with, well, you can go, well, that's not, that's not true. And you, that's really not something that we can do. It's either true or it's not true. That's, that's the deal that we have to deal with. And they, do surveys about this kind of stuff, which I find fascinating. You might not enjoy, but I spent some time reading this last particular survey. Uh, and, and the survey is called the State of Theology. <clears throat> they do it here in this country. You can Google it. You can find it. You can actually take it if you want. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm betting, betting that a whole lot of you aren't going to do that. So anyway, <laughs> it's there. So, so not only do they ask countries in the culture, they, they zero in and they ask questions to people that are believers in Jesus. And there's some very, very sad trends happening as far as believing what truth is. And one of those um, things that I found shocking was that, that verse that we looked at earlier, that John fourteen six verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 56% of believers don't believe that's true. 56%. And, and, it, and so, and you know, I get the dynamic of what it's saying. Because where people go is, well, that seems very narrow, Jesus. That you're saying, you're the way. You're the truth. You're the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And we struggle with that. And I get that we struggle with that. And the struggle that's actually called universalism, which is, well, there's got to be lots of ways to get to God. <laughs> Here's the thing. When you know the story, and you know what happened, that you have creator God, who created us to be in relationship with us. We went, no, chose our own way. We saw the little Elohim messing everything up, and they're blinding people to the truth, and they're trying to sway people. So they start all their own things, and, and then we, the, culturally we want to give them all you know, the same sort of significance. But, but very clearly, there's one way back. Now, here's where it goes even further, because this is why we struggle with that. Well, that doesn't seem right. There's only one way. Instead of, God, you have made us, you've created us, you've, you've, you want to be in relationship with us forever, and at almost every possible point, we've said no to you and gone our own way. And we are extremely grateful that there is a way back. Do you get how it's kind of arrogant that we think there should be 50 ways or 100 ways back or as many ways as you want or whatever. And that's, that's what we kind of have to weigh into this process. And I, listen, I want to, look, you got to think through these things and, and you need to get with the Bible and think it through and ask Holy Spirit and lose it. You can, and you can absolutely disagree with me. I sometimes encourage you to do that because you press into yourself. But this, you got to, this is, this, I don't always get it right, but this is right. And Jesus is, you know, you want to listen to Jesus, right? You figured that out over time? How many of you figured out that Jesus is usually right? <laughs> and so then, well, what about, here's, here's what else. Let me tell you a little story. Because, see, God, from, from the time that he came and made everything right back at the cross, right? You know, he took our sin, paid our debt defeated death, rose again, dealt with the power of sin and death. From there, we looked at the story. Immediately, he sends people back to what? The nations. Go back to the nations and tell them there's a way to be reconciled. All those people that have been deceived, you go and tell them there's a way back. His name is Jesus. If we don't think that Jesus is a way back, guess what we won't do? We won't go and tell anybody. Just figure it out for yourself, whatever you want to do. That's The whole Bible is about our mission and connecting with him. And so, so we have to understand, he is the way back. And we have to sort of press through what that means. And if we think that universalism is okay, then we're, we're not going to do what we're called to do at all. But we had our missionary friends here, and we support Brady and Jessica not that long ago. We, had a, we did a Sunday night thing, and I asked them a, purpose, a question on purpose. And uh, so they do missionary work in northern Africa in a country that is not legal to tell people about Jesus. There's, there's a lot of countries like that. That's because the little, little guys don't like the competition. 
And uh, you think, well, what about all those people? Here's what's happening all over the world. You may not hear this, but I, I hear this from, and I ask them this same question from missionaries all over the world in these very hard countries. In those countries where there's a strong sort of oppression to the truth, to the gospel, um, people are meeting Jesus in record numbers, and oftentimes it's because he appears to them in dreams. Jesus comes and connects with them in dreams. And, and they can't deny it, and they'll go and seek out these things. And I asked our missionary friends, have you heard of that? And he said, it happens all over in this world that Jesus, because God made a way. He's making a way back. And, and if they're not hearing it because, you know, the church can't be there or do what it needs to do, he will do it. And he, he's showing up to them and telling them, you know, who he is, and there's a way back. And there's, this, there's massive revival going on all over the world in these countries. So it's not like he, that there's only one way back and most of the world doesn't know it. The, the way is being made known. You need to take that. But we, as people who know truth, we have to live that out. And I, the, the other thing I think about this all the time is, so you remember the garden? God creates everything. I just want to be with you. Everything is yours except for this Fruit from that one tree. Stay away from that one tree. It's not good for you. And what do we do? <laughs> of course, we do the thing we're not supposed to do. But how about this? So it's, they have to figure out how they felt about what was going on at that tree. And the enemy was saying, he didn't mean that. You can have all the fruit you want. It's good. You'll enjoy it. We're back to a decision everybody has to make about a tree, the cross, and what took place there. And it's either the way back... Or it's not. Guess who doesn't want you to believe in what happened at the cross? The evil one, blinded from the truth. And he'll say things, eh, you don't have to worry about it. Whatever's good. Just be a good person. So we have to wrestle through these things in our own lives. What is truth? And what does it mean? And what does it mean to know the truth? What does it mean to be in relationship with Jesus? Now, where where I'm going to finish up this in a few minutes... uh, is this question, and I, I put it in my notes, what I'm about to say, and I'm, I'm not sure how you're going to respond to it, but here, here's the thing that I wrote in my notes. So how do, we, how do we live like people of the truth and not be jerks? <sighs> you can take that in and think about it, because unfortunately that's what happens a lot of times as we move into self-righteousness. We'll be talking about the breastplate of righteousness next week. But listen... The, the reality here is, if you're like me, I, I don't know. I, I am just overwhelmed pretty much daily that I happen to stumble into the truth to find life in Jesus. It wasn't because I was such an awesome catch. I know, honey, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> I was a wreck. I'm still not. You know, I'm still a wreck. I was a wreck. But Jesus saw something. He saw the beauty of potential, right? Because that's Jesus. And I'm just grateful that I, I know the truth. It doesn't make me better than anybody else. It certainly doesn't make me better than people who don't know the truth yet. It makes me have a heart that desires that they know truth. They come to meet Jesus, the truth, and that he will come and change their lives. So how do we live like people of truth? Well, I'm going to go quickly. We have to be people of integrity. That's a huge deal. Being people of integrity. And to me, what integrity means is that what you say you believe and how you lived your life actually match to the best of your ability. It's the old practice what you preach. 
is a lot harder to live out than it is to speak out. Everybody get that? And that's the place. I, and, and I would love to tell you at this point in time, every, I got it all figured out, but that would be a lie, so it would be a lack of integrity. I'm in process like you. But, but we hang on to the fact that we're in process and we live in humility as we continue to press in around us. And, and the little story that uh, Georgina was teaching the kids, to me, is a picture of this whole thing with Joash. Uh, in Second Kings 12, 2, Joash, little king, uh, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years Jehoiada... The priest instructed him. And that's how he's introduced in the scripture. Normally kings are introduced as, here's king so-and-so, he was an evil, evil king all the days of his life. Or, here's king so-and-so, he was a pretty good king all of his life. This is the only one that's like this. Here's, here's Joash, and he was uh, uh, all the years of Jehoiada's life. He was a good king. What in the world does that mean? Well, what we find out in Second Chronicles 24, after the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, Joash, and he listened to them, and they abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and worshipped Asherah poles and idols. As soon as that influence of Jehoiada left, Joash went his own way, followed everybody else. See, it was not integrity. And what we have to wrestle through is real integrity. This thing balancing is... Do we live what we say regardless of who's watching or who might find out? Or do we process through some questions that I I often call rationalizing? I love that word rationalizing because I don't know if you're, but you get that. You tell yourself rational lies of why doing something you really shouldn't do is okay. Anybody understand that? And you know, the enemy's so deceptive and crafty and he'll pick on your weaknesses and and you know you'll start saying well I'm, I'm you know it's been a really hard week day year month so I I deserve this or or no one's going to see if I do this or and no or or no one's going to find out so who can it hurt and and then the the big showstopper that t- so many people have fallen through well God God wants me to be happy doesn't he absolutely but not at the expense of your integrity ever. And so we we have to wrestle through those questions. You know, how do we live as people of integrity? Because that's our part of the battle, is living this life, not perfectly, but to the best of our ability. And so how do we do it? Well, we try and live lives that please God. That's at the heart of it. God, I I today just want to live in such a way that it pleases you. It's bigger than me. It's not all about me. It's some about me, but I want to live for you, God. 1 Thessalonians 4. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to, I love this, to do this more and more. I love that verse. More and more. More and more. More. It's a process. It's that you're not going to figure it all out. It's not, it's not like rule following. That's not what we're talking about. And we'll get into self-righteousness next week. It's, it's yielding the Holy Spirit and desiring to live lives that please God and learning as we go. And when we mess up, which we will, we go to God. And the moment we catch ourselves and we repent, we confess our sin. And let me quickly say this. So, because people go, well, I can't, I can't keep confessing. You think it just means you go and you tell God you're sorry. It's not the idea behind the word. It's a compound Greek word. And it really means same word. Confess, homologeo, same word. And, and what you do when you've realized that you've gone your own way again is you go to God and you're not saying sorry. You're saying, God, you were right. I was wrong. Do you get how different that is? You know what happens after you do that repeated times? You figure it out. God, you were right. Again, shocking you were right again, and I wasn't. That, what a shock. 
over and over, more and more and more. And then, you know, and the thing about God is he's just there. He's not waiting to beat you. I love this about God. You know, he just loves you. So I love you so much. I get it. Go. Empowered by Holy Spirit. Do the next right thing. And we do that more and more and more. And that's his process. And that's how we be people of integrity. And that's how that belt of truth works in our lives. And that's what the world needs to see. And that's why it starts there. The battle starts there. Being people of truth. You know the truth if you know Jesus. And now you allow Holy Spirit to just continue to walk that out in you more and more. Okay. it's enough for today. Ministry team. Got very quiet in here. Head over there. People are going over there to pray for you if you need prayer for anything. Let me say this. Look, this whole journey starts by knowing Jesus. And, and he's done everything. I mentioned it. Everything that he did at the cross for us to be reconciled. Our part, all we do is we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's the way back. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, I want to encourage you to do it today. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? That's the start of everything. Jesus Will you be my Lord and my Savior? If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it right now, and things will change for you. Best decision you will ever make in your life. Amen. Such a good word today, honey. So don't be jerks. <laughs> Needed a light I'm glad moment. you got that out yeah, of the deal. I, I could have just highlighted I know. that, but yeah, that would have been good. wrong. People really would have been word. offended right off the bat. <laughs> Listen, I just had something during worship I want to share, and Pastor Georgina shared with me a prophetic word yesterday that she got yesterday that I want her to share real quickly. There's somebody here or online and you're having kidney problems, and the Lord wants to heal you, and he doesn't want you to be afraid. So whoever that's for, just be blessed and receive your healing in Jesus' name. Georgina? Yes, good morning. So yesterday, while I was here in the afternoon, I was listening to the song Break Every Chain, and I was praying for us, and I felt in my spirit that um, I got this message for us, um, and it started with, you are not powerless, right? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the death, right, is inside of you. And you have yet to tap into it. And then I got, you are the walking, talking power of Jesus, right? And, and then I got, rise up, church, right? And tap into, right? And walk in the gifts that Jesus has freely given to us. Okay. Amen. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank Good you, word. Gigi. All right, thanks, church, uh, for your amazing generosity. I'm going to close this and get you out of here. And uh, did I put that on? Or did I go? There it is. Yeah, on there come kids. Uh, You guys are so awesome. Thank you for giving, tithing, offering all that you do. There's the ways to do that. Let's sing the doxology as it rains, children, and we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. 
May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. It looks like the sun is shining, and we're going to open these doors for you so you can head out this way. Oh, we got a straggler out there. And, uh, oh, I didn't see who it was. Get out there, catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Be kind, be kind, be kind. That's a big deal. God bless you guys. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you guys. Thanks for watching Breastplate of Righteousness next week. Have a great rest of the day and a really good week. We're looking forward to this week. Steve and I are taking a little escape and going to go see some precious, precious friends of ours. So next week, you're going to have the younger version of Steve. Oh, yeah. But he is right. his own man. Yeah. So enjoy Douglas next week. We love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.